Welcome to Women in Marvel. I'm Ellie Pyle. And I'm Angelique Roche. And I'm Judy Stevens. It has been quite a while since all three of us have appeared on an episode. The people need updates. What have you both been up to? I'm moving to a new apartment. I am very excited. I'm not leaving the West Coast. Uh, The sun has taken me and I'm very happy to be here. I'm going to be traveling for the first time on a regular basis. So it's been wild and fun and lots of cool things coming down the pipe. That's all super exciting. I actually saw you. We did. We saw each other fully vaxxed in California. It was great. We ate sushi. Oh my God, it was so delicious. Yeah, so I flew out to LA to see some friends for their birthdays, but also just like to get out of my apartment. Um, I was fully vaxxed. You know, I obviously, if you've been following the show for a long time, you know that I love to travel. And the last year and a half has been a struggle. Um, but it was good. It was good to see Angelique. And uh, we hung out on her little outdoor balcony area and watched the sunset. It was actually really beautiful. It was really nice outside. And then I came home and decided to get a second cat because clearly I don't have enough work and stress in my life. And now I have this <laughs> new added interaction that I'm enjoying and also stressing out about because anyone who out there who has who had one cat and decided to get a second cat understands what I'm saying. Basically, you're trying to get the new cat to like like your apartment and like you and your roommate, but you're also trying to get your two cats to like get used to each other without them meeting. So it becomes this game of like feeding them between doors and like putting their blankets and other it's really it's a whole thing anyways she's really cute i just posted about her on social media you can head over to my instagram to see lots of photos of her what about you ellie so i am also fully vexed and back in los angeles so i've been kind of settling back in after being gone for a while and i finally got to spill all of my secrets and actually tell people about Marvel's Wastelanders Old Man Star-Lord, which is what I've been working on for the last year and a half. And you all will finally get to start listening to it on June 1st. So that's very exciting. We're dropping our first two episodes at once. Yay! I'm so excited. We've been talking about this like off mic for so long. I'm so happy you could finally talk about it in real life. Yes, it's very, very exciting. But I am also happy that all of us are on today because I wanted to ask you both about a different series, Marvel's Modoc on Hulu. Is it the best show ever or the best show ever? I think the answer is it's the best show ever. It's great. I have been watching it. It's hilarious. It's really timely. And you know what? It's Modoc's moment. It is it is Modoc's true moment and who among us, let, let's be real, who among us doesn't want to take over the world? I don't know, maybe defeat Iron Man. Some of us do. I'm just going to put that out there. We all have dreams and ambitions and possibly take down corporate overlords who are trying to take everything you have in a hostile takeover. I mean, it, that's 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 relatable, right? That's our, that's our real lives. We do. Yeah, and a right? flying chair. I really want a flying chair, let's be honest. <laughs> so. I, honestly, I think that's the best part about the show is that he gets henchmen and a flying chair. Yeah. 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 I also, as someone who hasn't seen Ryan Panagos in a long time, <laughs> I assume he is exploding because for as long as I have known him and for as long as I worked at Marvel, like it was there was just Modoc. It's just Modoc everywhere. And I'm just That's so excited sweet, that he sweet can baby have like, boy. Yeah, like I lived through Captain Marvel. I lived this. I had my like period of ascension where I like ascended <laughs> into the sky uh, when Carol Danvers came on the screen. And now Ryan gets that. Yeah, he's probably like sitting there watching the episodes for like 
the second or third time drinking through his Modoc mug, looking at his sweet, sweet Modoc collectibles and his Modoc t-shirt as he teaches his daughter the true ways of Modoc. <laughs> yeah, with all, all the cool swag, because you got some cool swag, didn't you, Anjali? I got a, a recruitment manual to aim, advanced idea mechanics. I hear the benefits suck, but <laughs> at least there's coffee and I can turn people into dinosaurs. So I'm thinking about it. Yeah, those are some things to consider. Also, the stop motion animation is so beautiful. It's it's like so great to watch. It's such a throwback to some of the old animated shows that we all used to watch as kids that we've talked about so much on this podcast. But I do have a hot take. Modak himself is entertaining, but his wife Jody and his daughter, Melissa, actually steal the show for me. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's the truth. The family dynamics in this show are so much fun, but I got to actually interview the women who brought those two characters to life, Amy Garcia and Melissa Fumero. For those who don't know, Amy Garcia is the voice of Modoc's wife, Jody Tarlington, and Melissa Fumero voices his daughter, Melissa. We geeked out about the makeover episode, which was one of my favorites, the animation on the show, and they gave some great insight into the arcs that these female characters experience in the series. You know what the coolest thing is? Is they hired a Melissa to play a Melissa. And I cannot wait to hear these interviews that you did, Ellie. They sound really dope. So let's let's hear it. Melissa Fumero and Amy Garcia, welcome to the Women of Marvel. My first question for you both is, what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first come across Marvel? Well, for me personally, I knew Spider-Man before Marvel. I didn't know, but I just knew I liked a big dorky guy who was clumsy and didn't know how to talk to girls and didn't know when to stop talking. So I was like, oh, that's that's my kindred spirit, you know? So before I even knew about Stan Lee or anything like that, I, I just really liked that there was a big dork who discovered his powers at the same time we did. So it's not like mm -hmm. he was, you know, ahead of us. So I really liked that he was just like a normal dorky kid. And then he kind of discovered, you know, his superpowers as we did. And so right then. That was my first intro, being a big dork. I was like, all right, all right, I, I could do this. So yeah, I mean, I was just like, you know, teenager, kind of late, I guess, 12, 13. And I just fell in love with Peter Parker. That was my uh, love at first sight Marvel story, I guess. Oh, that's a great story. Spider-Man 100% counts. And you know, that's, that's not late. I found the X-Men when I was 11. You're doing just fine. <laughs> How about you, Melissa? Yeah, my intro to Marvel was X-Men, um, not through the comics, but via video games. And oh. in particular, so I have an older brother who's a big gamer. And every summer we would visit family in Miami and this apartment we stayed at in the basement, they had like a little arcade. And we were always like the only two kids in there, but there was an X-Men game in that arcade that we were obsessed with. And I would always want to be storm. And so then when the movies came out, I was so into them and a super fan of all the movies and shows now. And now my, I have a five-year-old son who is very into all things Marvel and Jordan, our showrunner, 
put together this great like starter pack of comics for him because he started to ask about comics if we could start reading comics. So I asked Jordan, I was like, give me, can you give me some issues that are like good for a five-year-old? Cause I know a lot of issues are not, um, <laughs> didn't want to like blindly go into it. So he was like, I got you. And like literally showed up to my house a week later with this box full of comics. So now I'm getting to live that part with my son, which is really fun. It's amazing. It's got like a little bit of everything. So you can get like a taste oh. of different characters and see, but he gave it, he gave, did give us a lot of Spider-Man because he knows that Enzo's really into Spider-Man and Miles too. Miles Morales. Yeah. Right. So we've already talked about Spider-Man and Storm a little bit, but have you found new favorite characters in, in the years since your first encounters? I love Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl just because they just want to give hugs all the time. And <laughs> and frankly, I mean, I had never really seen like a sit down family dinner, you know, brown girl in the Marvel space. So that was really cool. And again, another big dork. And I recently discovered Squirrel Girl because I feel like she's very empathetic mm-hmm. and she likes to put herself in the shoes of, of the villain. Like, what do you want? Why are you being a bully? Why are you being mean? You know, so I, I love that that quality. And obviously we talked about Into the Spider-Verse, like Gwenpool is just so fun and cool and like a punk rock star. Like I feel like I, in an alternate universe, would be as cool as her, but in this lifetime, not so much. So um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a big hugger. So I, I really gravitate towards characters, uh, you know, female characters that just want to spread love and be love bugs. So... So I'm a, I'm a big uh, squirrel girl, but, but I love Miss Marvel because she's just trying to figure it out. And I find that extremely relatable. She's just like a coming of age story. Like she just doesn't know any better. And, and we're kind of all trying to figure it out, I guess, whatever age we are. <laughs> That's awesome. Melissa, has your son introduced you into any new favorite characters? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely would echo Squirrel Girl and Miss Marvel. Like, I'm so excited for like, I'm like, please, when are we going to get the trailer for Miss Marvel? Like, yeah. And I would say I always with Enzo, like I always liked Hulk, but definitely got a little bit more into Hulk because that was one of the characters he gravitated towards. He's, I joke, he like came into the world with like a lot of fire, my son. (laughs) And so it was like funny to us when he was a tantruming toddler that his favorite character was Hulk and he was like literally hulking out um, left and right. So yeah, he's got, you know, some kid version books and stuff. And I just think like that character is so interesting because he's one of the most powerful characters and doesn't necessarily want to be all the time. And, you know, he's just, he's like a very complex kind of soul and so I I love that my son is drawn to him and I kind of have been too yeah that's awesome little kids love the Hulk because you know he doesn't understand his emotions all of these things are just happening he basically is either he's a toddler like he's a toddler yeah yeah like he doesn't use his words right (laughs) I feel like they see themselves okay they do they do it's so true (laughs) How would you describe your show, Marvel's Modoc? Tell us about it. I love it because it's a supervillain having a midlife crisis and mm-hmm. garbage, which we never see before. But 
I love that it has like galactic warfare and robot guts and time capsules and time portals. But it's also has like a dysfunctional family, sibling rivalry and people falling out of love. So I've, I've never really seen like the after show of a supervillain. Like you, you always just see them be like the cool big bad and, and that's it. But, but like our show says, like, what does he do? Like what happens after the fight? And what happens is he's got to like deal with rats in his apartment and like pay taxes and deal with a bratty teenage daughter. Like, I, I just love that it's like this dysfunctional family, but you still get like fun Avenger fights and bloody robot guts. So <laughs> I feel like it's a, it's a show in its own lane. And how did you both find out about the show? For me, it was, it was just an email in my inbox for an audition and it was shrouded in secrecy. And when you've been doing this for a minute, you learn how to decode those emails pretty quickly. So I was like, okay, this is either Marvel or like, I don't know, some sort of Lord of the Rings franchise. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And there was no script, but when I opened the sides and it was like two scenes, I think I was like, oh, this is so funny. These scenes are hilarious so I was immediately intrigued and like wanted to be a part of whatever it was then I found out that it was Patton and that it was Marvel and and then it just got more and more exciting from there what about you Amy yeah I'm not fancy enough because they asked they're like oh were you offered or pitched I'm like no I'm not fancy like that like I had a, in my car and recorded the lines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I actually recorded it in an airport. I was flying to Chicago to see my parents and I, it was so loud. It was like, I mean, you know how they're like announcing gate numbers and final boarding calls. And so I would literally be, I had so much anxiety because I thought how I'm going to, I had my phone, I was at the gate and I said, well, it is what it is. There's just going to be, it's going to be the loudest audition in the history of the world. I'm never going to get this. And then, yeah, you know, got a call from Jordan and we just started talking about the character. And then I felt like I, I started working for the CIA where I had to get, (laughs) I had to get identified three different times, everything but a retinal scan to even open the script. You know, and then we were off to the races. (laughs) So were either of you familiar with Modoc at all before kind of coming into the show? I had only seen him once in an Iron Man. Like, I did not know what his deal was. I didn't even know if he was a good guy or a bad guy. I just was like, what is this floating situation happening with small legs and small <laughs> arms? So no, I mean, he was such a peripheral character. I hadn't really. Had you, Melissa? Had you, like, heard him? So my son Enzo has this book of Avenger five-minute stories. And Modoc is in a couple of them. And that was okay. my only like exposure to him. So when I heard Modoc, I was like, oh, it's that crazy big headed thing with the little legs that's in my son's book <laughs> that I just know is like one of the random villains in the Marvel universe. And yeah, that was the extent of my knowledge of Modoc. He's a particular image, though, that when you couple with the whole sitcom dad vibe, you know, that that really kind of gives you an end to what the show <laughs> is doing. So what about the show do you think will appeal to people who aren't already hardcore Marvel fans? There are lots of Easter eggs for the people who are, but do you? Th- I think there's a lot for people to potentially enjoy, you know, even if, if they haven't 
had a full dive into the Marvel universe. Yeah, well, the show, I mean, it itself exists, you know, in its own world. It's not connected to like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, you know, you don't have to have seen any of those movies. Like, we're not connected to that at all. And I think that it's such a over-the-top, ridiculous, fun, gory, kind of crass, kind of vulgar <laughs> world that I think it will just appeal to comedy fans and it'll appeal to action fans. It'll appeal to animation fans. Like it's got a bit of everything and um, it's really, I think, not what you expect it's going to be in a good way. So I think it will appeal to a lot of people outside of just like the Marvel fans and it's a fun ride. Yeah, exactly. I think to me, here's this robot man situation who has the tiniest legs and the tiniest arms, but he's so confident. And like, so is Melissa's character, which I love. Like she's like queen bee. And I think to me, I see it as a very inspirational story. Like he does not give up. He wants to destroy the world. He gets blocked. He wants to use his torture chambers. They've been turned into yoga studios. He's like, what is going on? And I feel like there's something so endearing about a character who just gets in his own way and, but like has grit. Like Modoc has so much grit and persistence that I feel like he's like an anti-hero that people would just fall in love with because he does not give up. And that's such a like underdog quality. And he just wants to be liked by the cool kids, you know? So it's like Iron Man doesn't even give him the time of day, but he's just... I feel like Patton does such a good job of like showing his heart through this character. And like Melissa said, you have like really messed up stuff where I read the script and I'm like, this is messed up. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> but then you like drop a tear because there's like a really sweet family moment. And you're like, why am I dropping a tear? This is like, not <laughs> animation. But then you have like Melissa said, you have fun. Avenger fights and action sequences and then you time portal into video game like the whole thing is just fun but Patton and Jordan really ground it with like so much heart that you forget their puppets and you're just like rootings for this family to make it you know what I mean and somehow you see yourselves in them even though you're not a robot with knives on your back and like a million weapons so it's just it, it, it is like Melissa said just a fun ride and, and, and also with technology we've never seen. So anyone who's an artist, anyone who, who sews clothes or paints or does construction or builds things, like Stupid Buddy, who is our studio, created this never seen before technology for stop motion animation that is like Santa's workshop. And they made AIM out of styrofoam. So anyone who appreciates like puppet making or just making anything, I feel like we'll really appreciate the behind the scenes, never seen before technology in the Marvel space. So let's talk about the animation for just a little bit. What was it like to, after voicing these characters, see them come alive as these puppets in this strange new format? Listen, 
I have visited Stupid Buddy, the workshop, like two or three times, and I still don't get it. I don't, it <laughs> breaks my brain, literally trying to compute how, and I watched them, I saw, I saw the little sets, and I saw the camera, and I saw them moving everything, like little tiny movements, and I just still don't get it. Like, <laughs> it's, and then when you watch it, it's so incredible, and like Amy said, like, that to me is, it's an element of this show that is so exciting and it's so beautiful and just mesmerizing and it, it's incredible. The animation is incredible. And yeah, you go to the workshop and you see them, you know, you see people sewing these little like outfits for the puppets and you see all your different puppets and it's so cool. But when I actually try to think about like how it all actually happens and comes together, I don't get it. And my brain breaks. <laughs> Basically, this is how I've been describing it. Think of like making a movie, except it's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's a full on 30 simultaneous sets going on at the same time. You have a handheld camera. You have a, like a person doing wardrobe. You have, you know, you have a computer that's filming stuff. They're moving the puppet. So it's like you, you see it on the screen and it looks like a regular show. And then you'll see a ginormous hand come in and adjust the collar of like a puppet. And so it's, it really is so involved where like Modoc, for example, has like 35 plus different types of mouth shapes. And then Melissa's character will have a whole packet of drawers, mini drawers of her rhinestones and her this, the pride that these artists have for making the seamless darts in the back of, or Jody's book. It's like the size of your, of your pinky nail, but the detail that they go into making these things, like making the house, for example, dirty where the kids would be. So like I went into Jody's house when they were building it and the guy was making it dirty and said, I want to make it dirty where the human hands would be or Melissa's hands would be in the doorway. That kind of detail is just mind boggling. And again, it's never seen before technology. And the fact that Marvel chose to tell the story in a way that will make it stand out and is almost like retro like mm -hmm. they have the mm -hmm. coolest special effects with Avengers and you can put this person's face on this person's body and all this stuff. But the fact that Marvel chose to tell this story by almost going back to like an updated version of like Gumby and Robot, like it's such a bold choice and I think it's going to pay off. So let's talk about your specific characters. Amy, you play Modoc's wife, Jody Tarleton, in the series. So tell us what it's like to be married to Modoc. <laughs> well, it's a roller coaster. She is I what I love about her, she goes from like housewife to like supervillain. She's falls from grace. She starts off as the voice of reason. But I think when you're married to a supervillain, you kind of have to have like little pieces of supervillain in yourself. She does love him for being the father of her children, but she comes into her career later in life. So she's an every woman. She's a mother. She's a wife. She's a professional uh, lifestyle blogger. And then after she has her kids and they're teenagers, her career starts taking off, which egomaniac Modoc is not cool with. So I really liked that they gave an animated wife an arc. Like that mm -hmm. never happens. I feel like most wives are like, yeah, honey, whatever, whatever, whatever. And she goes toe to toe with him. And 
she ends up asking for a divorce, which I don't think I've ever seen in like the Marvel space either. And so I feel like she ends up starting to date this Avenger wonder man who describes himself as an underwear model, pending Avenger, hunky superhero lover of Modoc's wife. It, and she starts taking a villainous path herself. So I love that she's not perfect. She's not a perfect mom. Even her kids are like, that's messed up. Like, I can't believe mom did that. And I love that, that she ends up becoming almost worse than he is because I can't tell you what she does to one of her kids, but it is below the line. <laughs> and and I just love that she's not this perfect mom. She's not this perfect wife because we are not perfect. Like she is human and she is an every woman. And I love that in the animated space, um, not only do I get to play a woman that turns into a monster because she's married to one, but I love that I get to originate a Latina character in the Marvel universe, which is like so cool. It's like winning the golden ticket. So, um, so I love her and I love that she's not perfect, but in the end, she will do anything to save her family, except she's really witty and snarky about it. And, you know, it's, it's just fun to play someone who's not perfect. Absolutely. And Melissa, you play Modoc's daughter, coincidentally also named Melissa. <laughs> so, and she's the one who looks wise, takes after her father a little bit, uh, which I found very fun about the show that you kind of have, you know, this teenage girl who looks like a mini Modoc. So tell us a bit about her. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, she definitely takes after her father. I would say that she has also inherited his intellect and his talents per se mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. evil, evilry. Um, and you know, I think that she is like a typical teenager also in so many ways where she's trying to prove herself to her parents, particularly her father. She's trying to figure out who she is, what her place is in the world, but she's also just like ambitious and confident. And, you know, I, I love that like the obvious take would have been to make the kids like ashamed of their father or like, you know, can't believe that supervillain is their dad. And like, so to me, it was just like a really fun, fresh take to have them be like really proud of their dad. And actually like Melissa's even like, you know, I would be better at this than you. And if you just listened to me, like maybe you actually would be a higher up villain. Like you're such an idiot, which is such a teenager take when it comes to your parents, just thinking that everything they do is dumb and you know so much and you know everything. So yeah, I, you know, I love... I love their dynamic and the dynamic that she has with her brother felt very mm -hmm. like familiar, even to me with like my brother where like we were, you know, trying to kill each other as kids, but like also best friends and we'll like bond, you know, band together. Like, so yeah, she's a very, very fun character. And hopefully if we get to do more Modoc, we get to dive into Melissa a little more. That would be awesome. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to get to read the scripts and the makeover episode with Jody's book release was was one of my favorites. That... Mm -hmm. Ditto, ditto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it like working with Jordan and with Patton and, you know, the amazing creators of this, the amazing cast, the other actors you got to work with? 
it was just an incredible team. Yeah, this was like dream job status. I've known Patton for a while. He played a very, very funny fire chief on our show, Brooklyn and Nine, that our police officers rivaled with. So, and I've been a fan of his comedy for a long time. So when I knew that he was going to be so heavily involved, I was like, yes, this is going to be so good. And then to meet Jordan and the two of them are so like, I mean, they practically finished each other's sentences. Like they're so on that they had, their vision is so in line with each other. They make such an amazing team. And Jordan is just so funny and smart and talented. And then when I saw who they cast, I mean, it's, it's like, you feel like you're on the all-star team. I mean, it's, I've been a fan of every single actor on the show. Amy and I have been friends for a few years now. And so we were super psyched to work together on something finally. And to be originating two Latina characters was just like, ah! <laughs> and yeah. And then just like hearing everybody at the table reads was so fire. Everybody was just nailing it. And it's a really incredible cast. Like, I mean, Wendy is one of the funniest women alive and she is so so funny in the show Sam and John and Beck like I mean it's crazy it's it's Mm -hmm. such a great cast yeah exactly it's all-star team is perfectly put you know Patton is just such such a I, I was fortunate enough to do one the final episode with him in the booth and he was able to just turn on a dime. Like he was being his egomaniac, hysterical, larger than life self. And then all of a sudden he would just be like this vulnerable Modoc. And I felt like I was doing a play with him and I thought, gosh, only Patton Oswalt could have us rooting for an anti-hero with just his voice. So Mm -hmm. I, I feel like not only as an actor, was he able to just go from egomaniac like destroying people's arms to being like a really sweet father in like one second. And um, so that was really cool uh, being able to work with him. And then as a writer creator, I think that Jordan and Patton, like Melissa said, just finish each other's sentences and were able to somehow ground this, make this, this is a family show. It's like a dysfunctional Mm -hmm. family show with just like super fun elements of video games and, and intergalactic warfare and, and, um, you know, time travel and, uh, you have like the battles and you have such a deep well that Marvel, you know, like, it's like the misfits of Marvel. It's such a, it's such a deep, um, well that he can that both of them chose to pick from and and then as far as the cast I mean I'm you know I'm a huge fan of Melissa's and Ben you know from Parks and Rec and Patton obviously from his comedy and and Wendy back from Reno 911 and the Goldbergs and Bridesmaids and you know back from SNL and John Daly's like improv shows and and Sam from Veep, I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't mess this up because this is like definitely, you know, this is definitely like, um, yeah, just just the A-team. And, and it's funny because Melissa and I have like a raspiness to our voice, but it's like similar enough that when I was watching some of the episodes they sent, I'm like, God, they really do sound like they're related. But then we're different enough. We're like, you know, my one of my favorite characters is Melissa. Like she is just... 
so unapologetic and so committed. And I love what I love so much about the show is like Modoc and Melissa are not conventional beauties. Like they mm-hmm. have huge heads and and they travel with weapons and they have a disproportionate body to head ratio. And they are the confidence <laughs> people you are ever gonna meet. And so I'm like, that's so cool. Like, do you, you know what I mean? Like, like commit to you and people will follow. I mean, more people follow Melissa than Modoc in, in the season, but I I, and also with Jordan and Patton, like they are total comic book like connoisseurs. Like they mm-hmm. have, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a whole room dedicated to comics. So when your captains are so invested and like nerds and fans themselves, you're in good hands. These aren't like, this isn't like a talented writer and a famous guy that Marvel put together to do a cool show. This is literally like, Patton and Jordan living and breathing the Marvel universe and geeking out as like two little kids coming up with this idea and pitching it because they're fans themselves. So I feel like when fans are creators, I think it, it resonates in the work and because they themselves are going to be their harshest critics. And as you know, Marvel fans are fervent. So I feel like they are fervent fans themselves and so they're their harshest, you know, if they can pass their own test as encyclopedic brainiacs of the Marvel universe, then we're in great hands. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back a little bit to what you said about actually getting to work with Patton in the booth, because I don't know if a lot of our listeners know that when people are doing voice acting, you know, you aren't always in the room, in the scene, you know, with the people that you're working with. So I would love if you would both talk a little bit about kind of the differences between voice acting versus live action. Yeah, I, I, I'm so jealous that Amy got to <laughs> have a day with Patton because I recorded everything by myself. Um, and I really, I, if we get to do more MODOK, I hope that we can do um, more sessions together. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I think there's some similarities in that, you know, even when like I'm shooting Brooklyn, for instance, like we'll shoot a different, a lot of different versions sometimes of a scene just to like see which version is the funniest. And often that's the approach with voice acting, especially if it's something comedic, you know, to just get kind of different versions of it and see what clicks, especially when they get the other actors. But it's definitely a different you know you do things definitely a lot bigger than you would in normal live action on camera stuff big props to Jordan who's a great scene partner and (laughs) really helped in the recording right like he's a good actor like so he made it also like really fun and easy and also just like big shout out to Patton and Jordan and all the writers because I feel like they made my job so easy like the scripts were so fire and so funny and it was there for me in the words so I just had to you know figure out the tone or figure out the level or the the bigness of it for Melissa and but the rest of it was there for me yeah and I think I guess it's important for people to know that like we don't even get to see the voice is the first thing that happens in the episode so we don't right we don't even see the scene it's not even like 
like we do something called additional dialogue recording where sometimes you'll have to talk, you'll have to match yourself on live action. If there was like a scene on the beach or if a plane went through, you'll have to match your own words. Like Mm -hmm. we do a lot of that stuff when we're outside, but for this, there's no visual at all. Like you are literally just reading the lines and trying to bring them to life as best as you can, but you don't have like, I mean, we, we got to see our puppets, but there's no like drawings of the scenes or like, oh, this you're floating in the sky. You know, you just read in your script says floats in sky. And then you just mm-hmm. kind of like go for it and hope for the best. And, and yeah, you know, Jordan- sometimes you'd have like Jordan being like, yeah, so in this, it's going to be like Iron Man's going to come from over here and Melissa and Lou are down here. And then this explodes and you know, this is what you're saying. You're like, okay. And like, you just <laughs> keep all that in your head and you're like, what, you know, exactly. Like, I think you have to have a very creative imagination for, cause you have no visual. Right. So all you have is like your puppet. You're like, okay, I know what this person looks like. And you don't have fellow actors. You know, I mean, I had that one episode with, with, with Patton, but, but otherwise we're not even in the same room with Jordan. Like we're literally in like how people record to sing like albums, right? We're in a room by yourself that's soundproof and you have other people on the other side and then you'll do your lines and then they'll go silent. And you're like, God, I hope they're not saying I suck. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're like, what do you guys think? Or they're like moving on or, or try that a different way, or let's do this line three different ways. And then based on the animatics, they'll pick the voice performance that fits. Or sometimes if they add an animatic, they'll go back to the voice and say, Hey, Melissa, Amy, we actually decided to make this, put this scene in an amphitheater. So could you speak louder? You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. So it's, um, you definitely have to trust your conductor, which in our case was Jordan, because if he tells you to shout, you shout. You don't question it. If he tells you to whisper, you whisper. Like, And you just kind of hope that it all works together. So unlike Marvel Studios' recent Disney Plus series, Marvel's MODOK will be released all at once instead of an episode a week. Do you all have a preference of how you prefer to watch? Are you binge watchers? Or do you prefer to pace things out episode by episode? I will say I'm kind of a fan of both, and I feel like it depends on the show. I definitely, in the time of COVID and this whole pandemic, was very grateful to having a WandaVision to watch every Friday night. It was like, right, like Mm -hmm. something to look forward to for the first time all year. I was just like, oh, so, you know, that sort of like event of the week was like a really nice change of pace. But then something like this, Moda, I'm glad that it's going to be all released because it's really a quick moving show. And I feel like it's, it's got a very like binge kind of energy to it. So I think, yeah, hope it'll be like a nice, you know, few days to, or one night, <laughs> one long night to yeah, exactly. get through it. But it's, yeah, you kind of, it's got the energy of like, oh, you just want to, you want to see the next one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it has cliffhangers at the end. So you're yeah. like, oh, what the heck I gotta, I gotta, Dude, and me personally, I'm a binger. I just, once I get into something, for me, it was like The Mandalorian. I was like, oh my God, I have to, I couldn't stop. I w- it would be like four in the morning. I'm like, it's okay, I'll just be sleep deprived tomorrow, it's worth it. So I am a big binger. 
but yeah, I'm glad this will this will come out all at once. So, understanding that you can't give us spoilers, I told you what one of my favorite episodes is. Do you two have favorite episodes? I mean, for me, the makeover episode is, I feel like, Melissa's shining moment. Um, <laughs> so, it was really fun to record. And I, yeah, that, that one's probably a favorite. And the finale, which is just bonkers. bonkers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for me, it's definitely when when Jody starts dating Wonder Man and like cha-ching for the paparazzi and posing, you know, half naked in her like bikini and just, you know, it just believing her own hype. It's that, that was really fun. But I also like the family band episode. I love when they sing together. It's just ridiculous to have like a super villain, like a superhero family band. But of course, that's something Jordan and Patton would come up with because every good supervillain needs to have a good family band. Anything else that you're particularly excited for fans to get to see in this series? Oh, man. At the forefront, I'm really excited for people to see the animation and the particular look of this show because I think it's so unique and we're doing a lot of things that no one else is doing. And so that's always really exciting. And I think it's, I'm excited for people to see, you know, a version of their beloved Marvel characters in a very different setting and different tone than uh, we're used to seeing. Yeah, exactly. I think this technology is just one of a kind and never been done before. And, and I feel like Marvel fans appreciate cutting edge technology. So that'll be really cool. But it's also, I think really hits on what Marvel does great, which is have its, it it doesn't take itself too seriously. And it has like that sense of humor. That's very Marvel like where, you know, the, the characters are not perfect. And so I feel like they're going to see a supervillain after hours in a way they've never seen before. And I think it's going to be a really fun ride and and the fun thing about this universe is that it can go on forever because there's like a depth and bucket of so many characters that they're like wait who's that or who's that and so I think it'll be fun especially because we're so used to Marvel and I will be first in line if they make another Spider-Man but I feel like it's it's nice to kind of give peripheral characters their place in the limelight Was there a particular peripheral character cameo or Easter egg that you were surprised or delighted by in this? I feel like there's an episode with a lot of other villains that contains Mm -hmm. like a bunch of Easter eggs for big Marvel fans. Like, yeah, some of those villains I wasn't even, I had never heard of. So I feel like, you know, it's just like Jordan and Patton, like two kids in a candy store, like just, like oh we have access to anybody (laughs) it was like the best maybe slash worst thing marvel could have told them because they were just like yeah like yeah they really had fun with it so they really were like two kids playing legos except adults you know that's, (laughs) that's like our show it's like adults playing legos and so fun but yeah i think yeah there's definitely that's the only episode that i could think has just tons of people it's like it's like mystery men you're like where do these people come from and they're just 
the mountliest crew underdogs put together and it's so fun and cringeworthy and like they're all messing with each other because they're all super villains but they're like really crappy super villains which <laughs> makes it really funny so it's like the blind leading the blind and like a hot mess so it's it's just extremely entertaining and yeah we'll see you know hopefully season two will get even more even more fun fun new characters Thank you both so much. I am looking forward to seeing the completed show and hearing your beautiful voices. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It was so fun. I've already binge watched Marvel's Modoc on Hulu, but after listening to this again, I think I could watch it all again. They sound like they had a blast making this show. And the fact they got to originate two Latina characters in the Marvel Universe, priceless. Look, the show's got romance, explosion, robots, has-beens, curse words. What's not to love? And if you haven't done it already, do yourself a huge favor and check out Marvel's MODOK streaming exclusively on Hulu. I promise you won't regret it. And now we, the women of Marvel, have an announcement to make. Starting this week, Women of Marvel will be going on a hiatus because we're becoming a seasonal show. Women of Marvel will return later this summer with a new jam-packed season. So get ready. I love it. So, you know, don't think of this as goodbye. More like, mm, see you later. We had so much fun doing the show and we're so grateful that even through these crazy times, you still all tuned in every other week to join us. Speaking of every other week, because of this new format, Women of Marvel's next season will be weekly. So you're still going to get the same number of episodes from us. You'll just get them more compressed. So you can binge yes. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, binge us. I'm so excited for us to really uh, take this opportunity to really create some great, you know, we have some great ideas that we're going to work on. And for you guys are really going to enjoy so we can really deep dive into different topics that really uh, that we've, you know, touched on in our many years, but also all three of us can get together weekly to record. I'm excited. Yeah. So, all right. So we're not going to be on the podcast, but folks can still keep up with us uh, on the social medias, the platforms, the interwebs. Where can they find y'all? You can find me at OMG DJ Judy on the Insta and the Twitters because I'm a cool story person. But yes, come follow me. I'm quite simply Ellie Pyle on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Angelique Rocher on Twitter and at Angelique Rocher Official on the Grams. You should also go follow Women of Marvel on the Grams. Yeah, at The Woman of Marvel. And you can email us even if we don't have episodes going. We're checking our email. Email us at womenof at marvel.com or you can tweet at Marvel using the hashtag Women of Marvel. And between now and then, uh, since Ellie's now back in L.A., Judy... We don't want to miss you, so you're going to have to figure that out. Like, you're going to have to come to L.A., and we're just going to have to have our own little Women of Marvel meetup. Yeah, you're going to have to come back. Okay. Alexis, we're going on a plane trip. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) You got to come meet everyone. (laughs) As I call out to the producer in the background who's silent. Um, No, yeah, I'll totally come back out to L.A. again. Not a hardship. I had a great time when I was there. I drove a Tesla, you know, like you do when you go to Los Angeles. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, that I feel like that is a prerequisite when you come visit Los Angeles. I don't know. 
Anyway, thank you so much again for tuning in to Women of Marvel. We are so excited for you all to hear what we've got coming in the next season. Until next time, this is Marvel, your universe. Women of Marvel is produced by Alexis Williams, Isabel Robertson, and Zachary Goldberg, along with Judy Stevens, Angelique Rocher, and me, Ellie Pyle. Our development manager is Brad Barton, and Jill Duboff is our director of audio. Special thanks to Amy Garcia and Melissa Fumero. See See you later!